Thank you for inviting me to your home. I've been requested to speak about the teachings of Prahlad Maharaj to his classmates. Prahlad, for those of us who see themselves as preachers, Prahlad is a shining emblem, a very good example of what is a preacher. Sometimes I am instructed, at least in one temple, don't use this word preaching. It says it puts people off. So that's the modern day. So you have to use words like, I'm sharing. <laughs> Whatever word you want to use, still the same thing goes on. Or as we say, old wine, new bottle. So, I'm going to read some chapter summary which Srila Prabhupada has given us in the Srimad Bhagavatam and comment as follows. This program is being webcast right now. Currently we have eight devotees watching. Those who have signed in, we have one devotee in Panama watching. So everybody say Haribo. And we have another devotee in San Francisco. Please say Haribo. And I'm sure as the evening progresses, we'll get more. So we already chanted the song Jai Radha Madhav, as Prabhupada was apt to do before speaking on Srimad Bhagavatam. We also recited the 12-syllable mantra, which was chanted by Dhruva, which was chanted by Chitraketu, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, which is the very first words of Srimad Bhagavatam. Very opening statement. So let's see what Srila Prabhupada has written here in the seventh canto. If you're ready to proceed, please confirm by saying Haribo. Because this is a yagya. This is a sacrifice. This is the recommended sacrifice for the age of Kali, known as Sankirtan. As the Srimad Bhagavatam states, Yagyai Sankirtana Prayayar Yajanti Hi Sumedasa. Who, who will take up this? Sacrifice, yagya. Anyone who is sumedasa, 
intelligent. Those who have sufficient brain, they will take up this Sankirtan Yajna. So look around. <laughs> There's only a handful of intelligent people. <laughs> Everybody else is worried about the end of the world. But we are safe. I was mentioning today at a devotee picnic in San Francisco, um, in San Diego, that uh, if it is the end of the world, don't worry. Prabhupada wrote to his disciple, Achyutananda Swami, the safest position in the material world is Kirtan Ras. That's what we're doing. We're absorbed in hearing and chanting. So if the end of the world comes, that's all right. We'll die and wake up in Krishna Loka. Not bad. All in favor say Haribo. And when I was leaving San Diego to come here, I saw one big, huge billboard. And it was saying, end of the world, 5.30 to 7 o'clock tonight. So it's already 6.42. It hasn't happened. It never happened. Huh? I'm sure he's going to say miscalculation. Oh, it was supposed to happen already. Anyway, we're here. All right, so let's hear about Prahlad Maharaj. Prahlad is one of the Mahajans. There are 12 authorities in the science of God. This 12 authorities was pointed out by Yamaraj. Anybody here going to argue with Yamaraj? No, I don't think so. So if Yamaraj makes a statement, you can count on it. Unlike this Christian preacher who predicted that the world was going to end today. Yamaraj is not like him. So Yamaraj said that there are 12 authorities. Prahlad is one of the Mahajans. Authorities on the science of God. Prahlad Maharaj did not carry out the orders of his teachers, for he was always engaged in worshipping Lord Vishnu. Hiranyakashipu tried to kill Prahlad Maharaj, even by having a snake bite him and putting him under the feet of elephants. Yet he was unsuccessful. So why, why his father tried to kill his own son? Simply because Prahlad was a devotee. That was the only uh, reason. Prahlad was very obedient, very mild. Nobody, nobody harms an obedient, mild child. But because Prahlad was a devotee of God, and his father was the founder acharya of the demoniac Sampradaya, he's the first. He was the first demon. So all these little demons now, running around the world right now, they're all in that disciplic succession of Hiranyakashipu. Sometimes, years ago, when I would try to sell these books, if I met someone who I could see was not interested, I would say, oh, so you want to be a demon? Here, read this book. It'll teach you how to be the perfect demon. Read chapter 16 of Bhagavad Gita. This is how you should, if you want to be a first class demon, here it is, take the book. Sometimes it worked. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I want to be a first class, yeah. 
Krishna gives all intelligence how to be a devotee, how to be a demon. Hiranyakashipu's spiritual master, Shukracharya, had two sons named Shanda and Amarka, to whom Prahlad was entrusted for education. Although the teachers tried to educate the boy in politics, ec- economics, and other material activities, he did not care for their instructions. Instead, he continued to be a pure devotee. The reason was, was that Prahlad, even in the womb of his mother, had already become a devotee, thanks to Narada Muni. So it was too late. These teachers could not do anything to, to Prahlad to change his mind, because he was already convinced he was already fixed. In the Bhagavad Gita, there's a stage of advancement. In that stage of advancement, there's no idea, there's no possibility of one coming down. It's the stage of samadhi, perfection. This is mentioned in the sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. So Prahlad was at that stage. There was nothing anyone could have said to Prahlad that would change his mind. Nothing. Prabhupada one time challenged his leaders. Prabhupada one time called in his leaders, his GBC and sannyasis. And he said, he asked them, what's the difference between me and you? So nobody knew what to say. Prabhupada said, the difference between me and you is I'm convinced you are not. Because if you were convinced, we could change the whole world in 18 days. So, we are trying to get to that stage where we have complete, full conviction. That's why we read Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam. Just so that we come to the stage of full conviction. Let's continue. Instead, Prahlad continued to be a pure devotee. Prahlad never liked the idea of discriminating between one's friends and enemies. Because he was spiritually inclined, he was equal toward everyone. You see this a lot in Bhagavad Gita as a symptom of spiritual advancement. You're equal. Krishna is equal. Krishna does not play favorites. Krishna is, equal to, Krishna is open to everyone. Krishna is an equal opportunity employer. How is that? Anyone who wants to serve Krishna, Krishna says, okay. The sun is in the sky. Is the sun discriminating? Okay, I don't like that guy. I'm not going to shine on him. No. The sun is shining regardless. The sun shines on the Democrat, the sun shines on the Republican, the sun shines on the demon, the sun shines on the devotee. The sun is neutral. God is the same way. He's neutral. He's equal. Some people take the benefit. Others say, "Uh uh-uh. I don't want. But from God's position, he's equal. A devotee is the same way. Devotee is equal to everyone. A devotee's objective is, doesn't matter, everyone is ultimately child of God, 
everyone is a servant of God, let us work together. Devotee does not discriminate. Everyone has the chance. Once upon a time, Hiranyakashipu inquired from his son what the best thing was that he had learned from his teachers. Prahlad Maharaj replied that a man engrossed in the material consciousness of duality, thinking this is mine and that belongs to my enemy, such a person should give up his household life and go to the forest to worship the Supreme Lord. When Prahlad said this to his father, he didn't say, Oh, my father. You know what he said? Oh, best of the demons. That's how he addressed his father. Oh, best of the demons. Prahlad is another good quality of a preacher. That the preacher knows how to say the truth simply, plainly. Very just speaks the truth. Here's a five-year-old boy telling his father, you're not going to understand anything. I could try to convince you. And Prahlad said to his father, you're never going to understand where I'm coming from. You're never going to understand this Krishna consciousness, either on your own, with the help of somebody else, or in a big convention. You're never going to understand it. Why? Because you have taken a vow, my dear father, to enjoy this material world. Therefore, you're never going to understand. That is why in ISKCON, before you can take initiation, you have to take a vow. You take four vows. Those four vows indicate that you're finished trying to enjoy the material world. That's what those four vows are. They're a practical demonstration that I am no longer going to try to enjoy this material world. The famous story that illustrates this, one of Prabhupada's godbrothers went to preach, and at that time in India, India was under British rule. They had what is called viceroys. So the viceroy went to Prabhupada's godbrother and said, Oh, I would like to become a Brahmana. So Prabhupada's godbrother said, Oh, no problem. I can make you into a Brahmin. All you have to do is give up illicit sex, intoxication, meat eating, and gambling. And the viceroy said, Impossible. Because for anyone who has vowed to enjoy this material world, that's what it's all about. The conditioned soul has come to this material world for these four things. Look around you. On the television, on the radio, the signboards. What are they promoting? Illicit sex, intoxication, meat eating and gambling. And they have their holy place. Las Vegas. Their dom. That's right. You go to one place. It's the Demon's Disneyland. Not that Disneyland is some sacred place either. But you go to uh, Las Vegas. You can get all these things. Right? Lots of meat. Cheap sex. Lose all your money for gambling and 
while you're losing all your man- money, drink, 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 drink. Thank you very much. We'll see you again when you have money. After we've taken your money, get out. Get out. Come back when you have more money so we can rob you again. So that is the demon's Mecca. They have their Mecca. So enjoying the material world means these four sins. That's why Prabhupada insisted no cheap disciples. Same thing when Narada Muni made the hunter Magrari his disciple. Narada Muni told the hunter, first break your bow. As long as that bow is there, he can still do his killing. If he breaks the bow, now the hunter can't hunt. So that was the first thing Narada told him, break your bow. And Magari said, but how am I going to eat? Narada said, I will take care of you, don't worry. You build a hut, you chant Hare Krishna, I will send food. But first you have to break the bow. So breaking that bow means breaking this vow that I'm going to enjoy this material world. That was Hiranya Kashipu. Hiranya, gold, Kashipu, soft bed. Tells you where, what Hiranya Kashipu's goal in life was. Money and women, that's it. Let me enjoy. So in Narada's case, when he told the hunter, the hunter did it. And after some time, Narada came back with his friend Parvatamuni. And Murgari said to Narada, Narada, you're sending too much food. Because what had happened, when everyone saw that the hunter had become a real sadhu, people were in the village were bringing food to him. They were thinking, hey, better we feed him than he kills. So everybody was voluntarily bringing so Magari said, Guru Maharaj, you're bringing too much food. So, the idea is that, as Prabhupada says, material well-being automatically follows spiritual well-being. Automatically. I always like to give the... Look at me. Huh? Do I look like I'm starving? Right? All I'm doing is preaching and Prashad is there whenever I want. Krishna will take care. Prabhupada once spoke, who's feeding the elephant? Is, is the government, is the elephant on the government's payout, bailout program? Who's feeding the elephant? God. No government, God is feeding the elephant. So Prabhupada's philosophy was, if God can feed the elephant, and the elephant's got a big appetite, doesn't it? You know from India, how much an elephant requires. Right? So if God can feed the elephant, Prabhupada said, why won't God feed someone who's doing God's business? Is God some kind of vindictive person that you work for Him and He doesn't maintain you? Is that the kind of God? Is that our God? I don't know about anybody else's God, but is our God that kind of God that you work for Him and you're going to starve? No. Otherwise, I would have never joined this movement. Actually, today I spoke in San Diego. I said, I only joined the movement where the food is good. 
That was the real reason why I joined. He wanted to know. I joined because of the food. What religion has better food than us? They don't have it. That's why nobody, can, no one is ever going to change me from being a Hare Krishna devotee. First, you've got to give me something better than curd steak, something better than samosa. But they don't have it, do they? No, we've got the best food. Therefore, I'm a lifelong Hare Krishna devotee. Now, if they change the diet, then we got a problem. But that's not going to happen. When Hiranyakashi Poo heard from his son about devotional service, he decided that this small boy had been polluted by some friend in school. Thus, he advised the teachers to take care of the boy so that he would not become a Krishna-conscious devotee. However, when the teachers inquired from Prahlad why he was going against their teachings, Prahlad taught the teachers that the mentality of ownership is false and he was therefore trying to become an unalloyed devotee of Lord Vishnu. The teachers, being very angry at this answer, chastised and threatened the boy with many fearful conditions. They taught him to the best of their ability and then brought him before his father. Hiranyakashipu affectionately took his son Prahlad on his lap and then inquired for him what was the best thing that he had learned from his teachers. So again, the same question. What was the best thing you have learned from your teachers? As usual, Prahlad Maharaj began praising the nine processes of devotional service. Yes, we get this nine process of devotional service. This is Prahlad's verse. You'll read in Prabhupada's books so many times. Shravanam Kirtanam, Smaranam Vandanam, Padasevanam, Archanam Vandanam, Dasyam Sakyam, Atmanavedanam. Right? You see that? Where is that coming? That's Prahlad. That's what Prahlad told his father. Because he was asked the second time, what's the best thing? So Prahlad said, Itipang Sarpital Vishnu Bhaktis Chain Navalakshana Kriyate Bhagavata Adhad Manyeditam Uttamam. Prahlad said, as far as I'm concerned, the topmost education are these nine processes of pure devotional service. This is the topmost which you will not learn in Harvard or UCLA or UC Irvine or Princeton. Where are you going? You've all, many of you have gone to college. Did you ever read this verse, Shravanam Kirtan, in any of the books they give you? No, it's not there. So Prahlad said these nine processes, Uttamam, this is the topmost education. This is what Prahlad is saying. This is what he learned from his spiritual master. This is pure devotional service. Which you are doing right now. You're doing the first two. Hearing and chanting. The foundation. The building block. Any kind of spiritual advancement you want to make, you can only make it by this process of hearing and chanting. Anyone who's been with me for many, many years, like Nimai Charan, he knows that I mention this every lecture I give. Every lecture, I hammer this point. You want to make spiritual advancement, here is the key to success. 
hearing and chanting. You improve the quality of your hearing and chanting. You improve the quantity of your hearing and chanting. You will make spiritual advancement. Guaranteed. It's a guaranteed formula. Just have to do it nicely every day. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. The king of the demons, Hiranyakashipu, being extremely angry, chastised the teachers, Shanda and Amarka, for having wrongly trained Prahlad. The so-called teachers informed the king that Prahlad was automatically a devotee and did not listen to their instructions. When they proved themselves innocent, Hiranyakashipu inquired from Prahlad where he had learned Vishnu Bhakti. Prahlad replied that those who are attached to family life do not develop Krishna consciousness either personally or collectively. Instead, they suffer repeated birth and death in this material world and continue simply chewing the chew. This is another famous concept of Prahlad. Punak punas charavita charvananam. Chewing the chewed. Anyone who is not a devotee, what are they doing? Chewing the chewed. Sometimes the children, they're chewing bubble gum. Gum, right? So, depending, they put some sweetener in the gum. That's why the kid wants to chew sugar. But after a minute, the sugar's all gone. So there any taste left? No. But still they're chewing, chewing. But there's no sugar left. You're just chewing. Or, you all know, sugar cane juice. When I go to Panama, there's one guy in this one place, Cologne. He has sugar cane. He makes the sugar cane juice. So my friend and I, we always stop by for a nice liter of sugar cane juice. So you all know from India, once they take that sugar cane juice and they put it through the machine, they get every drop, right? So if you again take that same stock, how much sugar cane juice you're going to get? Nothing. It's already gone. So this is what is called punak charavita charvana. Chewing that which is already chewed. The taste is already gone, but still you're trying to eke out some pleasure. That is materialistic life. That is exactly what's going on. All these things, people are working hard day and night trying to enjoy. Prahlad says they're chewing the chewed. The pleasure comes and goes very quickly, but repeatedly. Now you don't, you don't have any experience, but I have experience and I know people. When you get addicted to some kind of drug, that's another graphic example of chewing the chewed. Or anyone who has uh, had the, the smoking habit. That's another example of chewing the chewed. One, because I know, I know people. One cigarette, two, three, 
All day long they're smoking. It becomes a, a useless habit. And it winds up killing them. I'm sure you've seen on the television people like, right, he has to talk out of a hole in the throat because they've gotten cancer. You've seen those graphic uh, commercials. But still, you'll see a young kid, right, smoking, thinking, oh, I'm, I'm such an adult. I'm a 10-year-old adult. This is all chewing the chewed. Prabhupada once made a joke. Back in the 70s, there were lots of cigarette advertisements on the billboards. So Prabhupada once saw a signboard. He said, here is Maya. The package says cool, but the experience is hot. Prabhupada said, that's Maya. Promising you one thing, but in reality it's something else. Prabhupada said, that's Maya. Cool? No. It's burning hot. That's Maya. Chewing the chewed. Prahlad Maharaj explained that the duty of every man is to take shelter of a pure devotee and thus become eligible to understand Krishna consciousness. Yes. Krishna consciousness is not something that you get on your own. It is a blessing. To be able to appreciate Krishna consciousness is a blessing. But how do you get that blessing? You get that blessing when you come in contact with a devotee. That's how you get the blessing. Without the association of devotee, you do not get Krishna consciousness. Lord Chaitanya emphasized this. Sadhu Sangha. Very, very important. That is why we do these programs. You have invited so many devotees in your house. The dust of their lotus feet will travel all over. Your house is purified. Kamlesh and Meena, you've had so many programs at your house. So when we invite devotees to our homes, that is the ultimate benediction. That means Krishna has blessed you to the maximum. Even if you just have one devotee come to your house, even just one devotee, your house is purified. What to speak of? A few dozen. This is most auspicious, the most auspicious thing to have devotees come to your house. Enraged at this answer, Hiranyakashipu threw Pallad from his lap. Wow. His own five-year-old son. He threw him off his lap. Since Pallad was so treacherous that he had become a devotee of Vishnu who had killed his uncle, Hiranyaksha. What Hiranyakashipu didn't tell his son was why Lord Varaha killed his brother. He didn't tell him that part. All he could tell his son was, Lord Vishnu killed your uncle, therefore he's my enemy. Ha! <laughs> That's half the story. The other half of the story was, Hiranyaksha was running around the universe looking for somebody to fight. And he even approached Lord Varunadev. And Varunadev said, I'm too old for this. 
But don't worry, somebody's going to come real soon who's going to finish you off once and for good. And Hiran Yaksha was thinking, oh, good. I'm finally going to have someone to fight who's worthy of me. Because Hiran Yaksha was just going all over the universe, just terrorizing. Yeah, see? The original terrorist, Hiran Yaksha. Original demon, Hiran Yikashipu, and the original founder of the terrorist organizations, Hiran Yaksha. Here it is, it's all here in Bhagavatam. So, when Lord Varaha fought with Hiranyaksha, he gave him a good fight. The description is there. They went a few rounds. The Lord played with them. But then, how did the Lord kill Hiranyaksha? Like this. That's it. He just struck him on the earlobe. Boom. Finished. Then he pierced him with his tusk. Some people think the Lord killed him by his tusk. No. Just like this. He just slapped him here. Bing. Finish. That's the Lord's omnipotency. Doesn't have to exert a lot of effort. Like Prabhupada once said, when Krishna is killing the demons, he's doing it nonchalantly. It's not that Krishna is breaking out of sweat. Oh, I'm struck. No. When Krishna kills a demon, it's like, it's nothing. It's play. It's easy. So, Prahlad was not told by his father that Hiranyakashipu was the one who started it. It's not that God is vindictive. God's not a bully. Right? You all heard this term. That's a big thing now in the schools. Bully. It's on the TV now. It's a big thing. I, when I was going to school, there were bullies. Right? So, Hiranyaksha was a bully unnecessarily hurting and agitating others. So the Lord did it to protect the universe. Hiranyakashipu forgot to mention that. The assistance of Hiranyakashipu struck Prahlad with sharp weapons, threw him under the feet of elephants, subjected him to hellish conditions, threw him from the peak of a mountain, and tried to kill him in thousands of other ways. But they were unsuccessful. Last night, I was mentioning this. This is the epitome of that Bhagavad Gita verse. Kontiya pratijanihi name bhakta pranasyati. Here you have the best example of that line from Bhagavad Gita. Name Bhakta Pranashyati. Look at this. None of us could have passed this test. Throw off a mountain. Hmm? Anybody want to try that? Right? Stuck with sharp weapons. I, I, I get hurt just by shaving. What to speak of sharp weapons. Anybody want to go under a feet of an elephant? Huh? Anyone? Uh, let's see. Oh, how about this one? Hiranyakashipu made his wife make food and put poison in the food that he gave to Prahlad. What did Prahlad do? He offered it. Ate the food. The poison did not act. That means Krishna took the poison on behalf of Prahlad. Name Bhakta Pranasyati. 
Hiranyakashipu therefore became increasingly afraid of his son Prahlad and arrested him because now he's beginning to see, hmm, this son of mine is not ordinary. Anybody else, even after the first incident, would have been killed. But no matter what Hiranyakashipu does, Prahlad doesn't die. So Hiranyakashipu is thinking, hmm, this is very curious. The sons of Hiranyakashipu's spiritual master began teaching Prahlad in their own way, but Prahlad did not accept their instructions. While the teachers were absent from the classroom, Prahlad began to preach Krishna consciousness in the school. And by his instructions, all his class friends, who were sons of demons, became devotees like him. So this was a demon school. Alright? This is a demon school. So all the kids in the school are demons. But they're only five years old. So they're not hardcore. They're not hardcore. That's why you go to school when you're young. Because you're, you can be molded. You can be impressionable. You cannot teach an old man. No. It's not possible. You go to school when you're young. So here is the power of a preacher. That by Prahlad's influence, he could get his class friends and turn them into devotees. That's a preacher. Just as when Prabhupada came here to America in 1965, who was he preaching to? The hippies. That was me. I was one of them. Right? That was the one, those were the ones who were listening. And he made them into devotees. So, the devotee preaches and you never know who's going to be receptive. You never know. You just go out and you preach and then you see Krishna's magic. In speaking to his friends, who were all sons of demons, Prahlad stressed that every living entity, especially in human society, must be interested in spiritual realization from the beginning of life. This is so important. Prabhupada quotes this verse in the very beginning in his preface or introduction. I'm pretty sure it's the preface of Srimad Bhagavatam. He quotes this verse. Komara Acharet Pragya Dharman Bhagavatan Iha. Prahlad Maharaj told his friends, Don't think that this spiritual life is for when you get old. That's a big mistake. My favorite example, several, several years ago in Panama, I was visiting somebody's shop. So there was this man, he was in his 70s. And he saw me and he said, Oh Prabhu, I am so sinful. He was an Indian man. He said, My wife left me about 30 years ago. I said, Why? He said, Because I cannot give up drinking and women hunting. He said, I like to go to the bars and watch the women dance. So I said, How old are you now? He goes, Oh, about 70. I said, so when are you going to stop and, and become spiritual? He goes, oh, maybe when I'm 90. 
I had to laugh at him. You're not going to make it till you're 90. Yes, this is a fallacy. The fallacy is, oh, I'm young. Let me enjoy. I'll do this yoga or spiritual life when I'm older. No. What happens is, you get set in your ways. And the more you neglect spiritual life, material life takes on more of a hold on you. And I've, I've said many times, Maya does not play nice. You can't make a deal with Maya and say, Maya, okay, I'm going to surrender to you. Let's enjoy. But when I'm 50, then I want you to let me go so I can take up Krishna consciousness. Maya says, no, we're just getting started. She doesn't play nice. So it is a miscalculation to think, oh, let me get settled first. Let me get my education. Let me get that what happens. Okay. Prabhu, I, I understand. I've heard this so many times. Prabhu, I agree with everything you say. But let me finish my education. All right, so now it's their 30. All right, are you ready for Krishna? Prabhu, no, I have to raise my family. Let me raise my family. All right, now they're 50. All right, are you ready to take up Krishna? No, I have to get my sons and grandsons married. So they wind up like that guy in Panama when I'm 90. Because they're putting it off, putting it off, like their taxes. How many of you had the experience? It's April 14th. Oh, my God. Right? Or your parents with your children. Right? You know your children have homework. Right? But your child says, "Ah, I'll do it later. And then the day comes and it's time for an exam. Oh, I didn't finish my homework. Right? You've had experience of that. Procrastination. Should not, so Pallad is saying no procrastination. From the age of five, you begin your spiritual life. From the age, everybody here is at least five years old? All right, so everyone should be engaged in spiritual life. Because we're all over five. Up to five, no problem. But Prahlad says from the age of five, it should begin. They should be taught that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is the worshipable deity for everyone. That's the first thing. Just understand that Krishna is God. Simple. Simple. One should not be very much interested in material enjoyment. One should be satisfied with whatever material profits are easily obtainable. And because the duration of one's life is very short, one should utilize every moment for spiritual advancement. Yes. Unlike Parikshit Maharaj, anybody here can predict that they'll live seven more seconds? Guaranteed? Or seven more days or seven years? There's no guarantee. Right? So, you've got to square up now. 
Because the duration of life is very short. You only have a hundred years. But it goes, what, what I'm realizing, that yesterday celebrated my 61st birthday. And I'm thinking, what happened? That it went by so fast. I remember when I was 16. But that was yesterday. Now the numbers have switched. 16, 61. Where did it go? And as I get older, I'm realizing that the time, the year is going by quicker. Anybody also experience that as you get older, right? The year goes by, it's like, wait, it was just January 1st. I just did the program in Valencia. Here it is, May 20s. This is the bewildering potency. Krishna has this bewildering potency. So, we have to be very vigilant. So, the next thing Prahlad says, I already discussed about not putting it off till you supposedly get old. Prabhupada was once asked, what's old? He says, all of us are old. Old means you're about to die. That's every one of us. So, all of us are old. Material education is infected by the three modes of nature. But spiritual education, for which there is a great need in human society, is transcendental. Balad Maharaj disclosed the secret of how he had received instructions from Narada Muni by accepting the lotus feet of Pulad, who is in the Parampara succession. One will be able to understand the mode of spiritual life. In accepting this mode, there is no need for material qualifications. This is one thing I love about Krishna consciousness. In the material world, everything is based on your material qualifications. In fact, they were discussing it on the radio just the other day. Right? Right now, the economy is very tough. Many people are out of a job. So they were saying, who are the first ones to get laid off in a job? It's the ones that have no education. They're the first ones they let go. And then the people that are going to get hired, who do they hire first? The one who has a degree. That's just the way the material world set up. It's all about qualifications. But in spiritual life, your material qualifications have no bearing. Again, what I said earlier, Krishna is an equal opportunity employer. Anyone who wants to engage in Krishna's service, Krishna allows them. All you have to do is get connected to one of Krishna's devotees and you will get as much service as you want. I, I promise you, you go to any temple and you go to the temple leader, please give me something to do. Oh, Every temple is waiting for... You want something to do? We got a long list. You go to any temple. If you go with that attitude, Prabhu, give me something to do. Oh, we've got pots in the kitchen. We've got bathrooms to clean. We've got temple rooms to clean. We've got vegetables. To, they got a long list. We've got garlands to make. Krishna consciousness 
spiritual life, there is unlimited engagement. And if you got nothing to do, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Rama, Hare. Or read Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam. Prabhupada has given us so much. So much we can do. So here is how Prahlad, what happened to Prahlad. Prahlad's mother was pregnant. And Hiranyakashipu went off to the mountains to do austerities. The demigods headed by Indra were thinking, Oh, here's our chance. This woman, that child, must be like his father. He must be a demon. So the demigods were taking, her name was Kayadu. They captured her. And they were going to wait for the child to be born and they were going to kill him right there. Because they didn't want another Hiranyakashipu terrorizing the universe. They had one Hiranyakashipu. They didn't want the son of Hiranyakashipu. One's enough. Right? But as they were taking away Prahlad's mother, Narada Muni came and said, Stop. You do not know what you are doing. If you even wanted to hurt the child in this womb, you could not. Because this child is protected by Lord Vishnu. So the demigods respected Narada Muni. Narada Muni took that woman to his ashram and gave her protection while Hiranyakashipu was doing austerities. While she was staying in his ashram, Narada was continually instructing Prahlad in the womb on the science of Krishna consciousness. Very similar to what we learn in Bhagavad Gita. If you read that chapter, the things that Narada was teaching Prahlad were the preliminary concepts of Bhagavad Gita. Difference between body and the soul, the Supreme Lord, Super Soul, different basic concepts. So Prahlad was teaching the mother and the child in the womb was listening. So that when Prahlad came out of the womb, he was already self-realized due to the mercy of Narada Muni. That's why nothing Hiranyakashipu or the teachers could do to change Prahlad. He was already self-realized. It's explained that when Prahlad was five years old, he could feel Krishna's hand on his hand. Pretty good, huh? Prahlad would sometimes go into samadhi and he could feel Krishna's hand. I would love that. Who would like to feel Krishna's hand on their hand? That's Prahlad at the age of five. He wasn't interested in sports or video games. He was totally absorbed in Krishna consciousness. So, after some time, when Hiranyakashipu tried everything to kill his son, Hiranyakashipu said to Prahlad, Prahlad, I've tried to kill you in so many ways. Why is it you don't die? 
Where do you get your powers from that you defy me? Because you have to understand, Hiranyakashipu was the most powerful man in the whole universe. Everyone was kowtowing to Hiranyakashipu. Everyone. He was the most powerful man in the whole universe. Here's this five-year-old boy defying him. So Hiranyakashipu said, Where do you get your powers from, Prahlad? Prahlad very simply said, The source of my power is the source of your power from God. That just infuriated Hiranyakashipu. There is no God, Prahlad. I am God. Your father. I am supreme in this universe. But Pallad protested, No, you are not God. Lord Vishnu, Krishna, He is God. Now it's interesting. When Hiranyakashipu was angry, Pallad tried many ways to present himself very meek and humble, not defiant. And he said many things just to pacify his father. But when Hiranyakashipu denied God, and posed himself as God. Prahlad could not tolerate that. Uh-uh. Prahlad had to say, No, you are not God. So then Hiranyakashipu said, So where is your God? Show me your God. Prahlad said, My God is everywhere. And Hiranyakashipu laughed. Oh, Prahlad, you're just an over, over-talkative child. All right, if your God is... Is He in this pillar? And Prahlad said, yes, of course, He's everywhere. So Hiranyakashipu drew his sword. He said, now, Prahlad, I will kill your God right before your eyes. Then you will bow down and worship Me. But when he struck the pillar, Hiranyakashipu got quite a surprise. He heard a sound that he had never heard before. A tremendous roar. And he was trying to figure out its source. And then the Lord appeared. Not as Krishna playing the flute. No. In a very angry form. Half man. Half lion. And he was very angry. Roaring. And they fought for some time. Ranyakashipu had mystic powers, so he would appear in the sky and then on the land. But it's described, because Narada is telling this whole story to Yudhisthira. And Narada explains that the Lord was playing with Ranyakashipu like a snake plays with a mouse. The snake will capture the mouth in its mouth and then let it go. So the mouse thinks, oh, I'm safe. But then the snake again captures the mouse, swallows, and then puts it back. So in the same way, Nasringadev was capturing Hiranyakashipu, letting him go. And Hiranyakashipu said, yeah, he's afraid of me now. He's afraid of me now. But all Nasringadev was waiting for was the time because he had to keep Lord Brahma's benedictions intact Lord Brahma's benedictions were causing 
Nishringadev a little botheration. Which is why at the end, Nishringadev told Brahma, you know, don't give these kinds of benedictions anymore. Okay, you're interrupting my schedule here. So at the dusk, he took Hiranyakashipu, put him on his lap in the doorway, and with his nails, just with his, and the Shringadev's nails are like thunderbolts. Thunderbolts gouged out his insides, took out his heart, and took those intestines and garlanded himself and threw him off his lap. After all, what did Hiranyakashibu do to, do to Prahlad? Threw him off his lap, didn't he? So in the same way, Hiranyakashi, uh, Lord Nishringa threw Hiranyakashipu off his lap, killed him. And then Hiranyakashipu's army came and Nishringadev manifested a huge form and with his nails, he killed all the soldiers. All the demigods came to offer prayers to the Lord. But the Lord was still roaring. And it's described in the Bhagavatam. Lord Shiva prayed. Lord Indra prayed. Brahma. All, all kinds of demigods offered prayers. He was still roaring. Lord Brahma asked Nisringadev's wife, Lakshmi, can you calm him down? She goes, no. I've never seen him like this. I don't know. So then Brahma had no other option. He took Prahlad. Do something. So Prahlad, what did he do? Dandavat. And then when the Lord saw Prahlad, and Prahlad also put a garland on the killer of his father. Put a garland. And then when Prahlad offers the obeisances, Nisringadev put his lotus hand on Prahlad's head. Then he stopped roaring. Now he was happy. Then Prahlad offered beautiful, beautiful prayers. A whole chapter. Many prayers. Very, very nice philosophy in the prayers of Prahlad. Every year, at some point in the year, I go over all those prayers of Prahlad. They're very, very instructive. And of course, after Prahlad had offered his prayers, the Lord was pacified. He asked Prahlad, because of me, because you were my devotee, you suffered so much, you must take a benediction. Prahlad said, no, I'm not a merchant. I don't worship you to get something. You're the master. I am your servant. That's enough. But Nisringadev insisted, no, you must take a benediction. So Prahlad, he teaches us how to pray to the Lord. What did Prahlad say? Okay, if I must take a benediction, then let it be that in my heart there are no more material desires. Which one of us is ready to pray like that? Myself included. Which one of us is 
ready to pray like that. My Lord, in my heart, may there be no material desires. And the Lord also blessed Prahlad that 21 generations of his family would be delivered. 21! I guess we weren't one of them. And the Lord also promised that never again in his dynasty would the Lord kill anyone. And that's why the Lord didn't kill Bali Maharaj. And when Krishna appeared, he didn't kill Banasura. Banasura is a descendant of Prahlad. And when Krishna was fighting with Banasura, Lord Shiva could not protect Banasura was a great devotee of Lord Shiva. But there was a time when Krishna fought Lord Shiva. Krishna didn't want to fight Lord Shiva. He's his devotee. So Krishna put him to sleep. You know that story? Yes. Krishna was going to fight against Lord Shiva. So Krishna had a yawning weapon. So Krishna released the yawning weapon and Lord Shiva felt, huh. So he didn't have to fight him. Then the Lord was fighting against Banasura. So the Lord has his ultimate weapon, Sudarshan Chakra. Banasura had 1,000 arms, which he used to play tabla for Lord Shiva while he danced. That was his service. You know, he likes to dance, right? So, with his Sudarshan Chakra, he chopped off 996 arms. He didn't kill them. He left them with four arms. And the Lord explained, I had to get rid of the other 996 because he was a little puffed up. I left him with four arms. I didn't kill him because I promised his forefathers I wouldn't kill him. But he was a little puffed up, so I took away his pride. Now he only has four. You can imagine if you have a thousand. Let's, let's say you had a thousand dollars. I come and I, okay, you can keep four. You'd be like, well, come on, man. So Krishna took care of Banasura's pride. Then, of course, the Sringadev told Brahma, don't give these kind of benedictions again. Because it only, uh, what's the word I'm trying, it indulges, indulges the demons, it indulges them. And then Lord Nishringadev returned to his abode. So the, this uh, Prahlad Maharaj, his instructions, teach us how to be Krishna conscious, how to be a preacher, how to be humble, and that big one, my Lord, let there be no more material desires in my heart. Who would like to pray like that right now? So let's all pray. Let's say together, My dear Lord, if you would like to benedict me, let there be no more material desires in my heart. Amen. <laughs> so, I have a request here. Uh, oh, we have 18 devotees online.
So I think we started with eight, now we have 18. So I have a request here to 